0: Are you ready to go?
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I am Sabrina Ray, the forgetful, <laughs> the unforgiven. We are actually recording episode 11 after recording episode 12 of Wondering Priority Recaps.
0: You, I didn't know you were just going to let the cat out of the bag like that. You're just falling on your sword right out of the gate. It's
1: not a self-deprecating thing exactly, and it's not like I'm taking responsibility for it exactly. Oh no? It's more like it's an easy way to get into talking about the show because I, I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to talk at length about... Episode eleven. As much as I would have, and I don't want to banter.
0: <laughs> okay, then. This will get right down to business, then.
1: Yeah. So tell me about your cats.
0: <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I had any cats. Gotta admit, oh,
1: this got sad. Well, now I don't want to us live. there right out of the right out of the gate. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, dear listeners. Anyway, this is Okashina Podcast Anime with friends. Uh, that's we are episode the hosts, <laughs> and we're talking about episode 11 again, which I failed to record, Okay, of Wonder Egg Priority. This is the big one. This is the one where they break format. There, there, there technically is no Wonder Killer this week. True. It's almost entirely the backstory of the Akas, Ura and Akka.
0: It doesn't start that way, though. It's, it starts with Rika, um, I believe... Bidding adieu to her and she's she, uh, to both her statue and the pet, her pet. She's going to say goodbye to her turtle. Um, and then the turtle gets unceremoniously crushed,
1: yes, flattened by a ball and chain. And this time it's not hyphen, it's a new weirdo, uh, in a schoolgirl body named Dot. And this is yet another, like, very strange sort of. They're sort of incongruous with the sort of violent bloody acts they're doing. Although I kind of associate like this kind of psychopathic like violence with people who are a little bit like giddy and smiley for some reason.
0: I and guess that's just what pop unstable. culture
1: has done to me. Mentally well,
0: unstable. Yeah. Like, I mean, because Dot is laughing the whole time and and uh, Rika like, why are you laughing? And Dot says, oh, frill says it, it, uh, it sets people at ease. And she continually laughs like several times over this very brief encounter, but she's not doing it because she finds anything funny. She's just laughing like some sort of weird automaton. It's, it's quite creepy. Honestly, these villains are incredibly creepy. Yeah. Uh, I think it's effective, but yeah, they're, they're awful. Like they appear to be indestructible. Um, They've got super weird heads on top of schoolgirl bodies. Um, And they're clearly psychopathic. Yeah. Extremely strong. She shatters Rika's blades. She blocks with her wrist. She doesn't even, she's she's not even avoiding the blow. Yeah. And then, and then she's like, are you okay? You're peeing yourself. Right. Mm. You wet yourself. And then, I think this is after she said, oh, you can eat this thing, meaning Manon, who she has killed. And there's no, you know, what's the motive here?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, And I guess we're going to find out as we go through the episodes. But uh, this episode is called An Adult Child. We'll talk about what that means. It's definitely a nightmare. (laughs) And this is sort of the pivot point of, I mean, we talked about a pivot point earlier where things started to go more sci-fi. And from the last episode's finale onward, uh, from episode 10's ending onward, it's starting to feel like we're in the middle of like one of these like Japanese ghost stories. I, re- I recall there was a book sequel to the movie that everyone knows from Japan, the J-horror classic, Ringu, or the... <laughs> I was it Gus Van Sant who did the, who did the um, American remake.
0: What did they call it?
1: Uh, the Ring. Oh. And it had Naomi Watts. It was it was a good it was a good uh, I adaptation. Good. I didn't watch it. Uh. It was a good adaptation, but The Ring is basically based on a videotape that um that has been imprinted with evil malice, and when you watch it, you have seven days to live. Uh, or you can spread it to someone else and save yourself.
0: Directed by Gore Verbinski. For oh, Gore Verbinski.
1: Why did I just think Gus Van Sand? Gore Verbinski. Yeah, the guy that did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Anyway, the point is, there he made a sequel to that. Um, after one called Spiral, he made a sequel called Loop. And in Loop, it's it's like... It's like a um, simulation virus sort of thing. So we get a very sort of like technology, Black Mirror-esque backstory to what's been secretly going on this whole time that the Akas have been dealing with. They're basically ghosts in a way. (laughs) Like it's strange because I, I goes to the house where the Akas are supposedly live and it is like empty and creepy. It feels like a haunted house, and she just sort of like wanders in. It's dark. Yes.
0: Well, she arrives at night, I guess. What we're still yeah, in the clearest no to where Yeah, but there's no lights on, and there
1: and he's home.
0: <laughs> well, he's also a robot, and he's like pouring water and stuff. That doesn't. He's got a cake in front of it. What that doesn't make any sense. He's clearly not eating. He doesn't have a mouth. I never even noticed that. Are you saying that it was someone's birthday? I have no idea if it was someone's birthday, but I know that when he was sitting down with um, Ai to talk about it, he's got food and he brings like a pitcher and he pours water. And then we do a cutscene. He picks it up and drinks it and he's in human form. So that's the beginning of the flashback. Right. And the part where he like crosses his legs sensually. Was that in this show? <laughs> <laughs> Here I am, like, <laughs> dropping truth bombs and, like, great insights. And you're like, let's take it to a different place.
1: <laughs> I was just doing a basic instinct reference. It was very, uh, yeah, very that was broad.
0: A, I, I did not get basic instinct out of your... Uh, I mean, I've seen the movie. Uh, but I don't say it has the same touchstone with the Utes as uh, much of the things that we're trying to get at here.
1: Anyway, there's this whole, like you know, like the typical bulletin board that tracks like somebody's life or has like pictures of like, like connections. And it's all it's missing is like the red strings that connect things, you know, like the red yarn that would connect a conspiracy theory or like a detective working out the clues. Um, But the the thing that that i notice is, is there's a girl in one of the pictures with the with the human akas and her face is scratched out and we get the story of this girl and it turns out that the akka and ura aka are like as we learned in the previous episode they're like they like were the first um ones to found plot japan plottie the genius collective they decided to make a girl
0: Yeah, i honestly am very frustrated by the backstory here because Akka and ura Aka sound like very intriguing characters all by themselves. But we gloss over all of that to this, this story, which in principle could be an absolute side show to everything they're doing. Like how do they right. know each other? How do right. they like they're so smart that they're basically kept under lock and key and twenty four hour surveillance because whatever they're doing is so sensitive and important, and honestly, that's never even touched on again.
1: What's interesting to me is that this is almost like a warning about AI, and it's one of those mad scientist stories where they—they they, it's just like Jurassic Park. They—they they never considered that maybe they shouldn't make a girl. Um, and what's really, really sick about the whole thing is they decided to set her at a perpetual 14, which I mean, that's just not a great age to be at forever. It's supposed to be transitional and it can be quite tumultuous as far as like that, that, that phase when a, when a girl is sort of becoming a woman, right? But her emotions and her relationships are They're changing and the way that she sees the world is changing and the way that people see her is changing, except she can't change. She can't get to the next stage because she's perpetually stuck. Um, But that's not like a plot point because she never seems to be trying to get like an older body.
0: Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't seem conflicted, um, but she does appear to be insanely jealous.
1: And this girl, um, she picks up intelligence very quickly. It kind of reminds me of like um, the way that Caesar picks up intelligence in the Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the kickoff to that newer or the newest trilogy in that um, franchise. But like, she's, she doesn't have like a completely adolescent stage. She sort of like just starts picking up words quickly. And she does it so quickly that she even names herself. Like they give her the opportunity to name herself and she names herself frill because of these tubes that have sort of a frill shape to them. Um, but it's cute. And she seems cute at first, at
0: first. <laughs> <laughs> she's always somewhat cute until she starts talking about like, I think if she's talking with Bura Aka and she's like, Asking something about hate. Like, who do you hate the most? Do you hate your oh, well, husband you gotta for leaving you?
1: you got to introduce Hoshina, yeah.
0: You don't have to, but sure, we will. I mean, Hoshina is literally the object upon which Frill uh, dedicates her unjustified wrath. She doesn't really do anything else. She's not all that interesting a character.
1: No, but she she represents... Well... There's two possibilities here. Well, more than two, but there's some possibilities here that she either represents, you know, like what a mature woman is, like someone who has reached a further stage of development that Frill will forever be locked out of. But she's also just someone who's stepping in and and taking the attention off of Frill. And Frill wants all the attention. Like even when Frill, like, um, coaxes them into letting her build her own friends. Uh, she decides not to give them like human features <laughs> or bodies at the time that I, that she originally conceived them. They just sort of exist these weird bulbs in, in these glass tubes, like a resident evil, like T virus
0: folded up flower heads. Like, but uh, yeah, 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 but that's very but weird. That's sort of after it is. You're right. It, it's a little weird. So, the, we don't really get enough on what motivates Frill. And I do take a little bit of issue with, yes, she may be locked into 14, but growth is both mental and physical. And Frill really has no need of her body one way or the other. But and that's another locked, possibility,
1: sure. That being she- locked
0: in a physical form that is 14 should really have no bearing on how old, you know... On sort of the age, especially if you know you go from basically birth to fourteen instantaneously, it's it's not like there's a a stage of growth going on here. But I think that's part of the if we're going to delve into this and give the full benefit of the doubt, which I'm not sure we are, um, to the creators of this, then like Frill is in fact incomplete. Frill is not a human that's growing and moving on. Frill wants things to remain the same, and she also wants to be the center of the universe, as you mentioned. She she is. Yeah. Um, She can't stand having the attention off of her.
1: Let's put it on a basic level that she could see how easily she could be tossed away for something more interesting. She could see that Azusa was pregnant with a new baby. The baby was real. Frill would always be this thing they created for shits and giggles or for the lols. And I don't think they mistreated her, but I I don't think that she was, I don't think that the, when they when they first make her, she's new and exciting and they're obsessed with her. And then, you know, she's a toy. She's a toy that gets put away. She's a toy that gets ignored. And
0: uh, yeah, I, I see that for sure. But was it that neglect that- We don't know. We real? don't know. You're right, right that they didn't yeah. give us enough to go on to,
1: to put that together.
0: Yeah. That's my concern.
1: Because, for instance- I mean, if you compare this to how they treated AI and the sort of awakening of AI to mankind's limitations in the movie Her by Spike Jones, I think they do a much better job of showing how she just basically gets bored with how small human beings are and being kept in such a small little box. And she just starts exploring an infinite world of information, but that movie is romantic and, and, and strange and charming. And it, it, it allows that it allows that character to grow on screen in the dialogue and everything here. I, I, again, I was just guessing, but you just have to infer a lot of things from the way that the questions she asks and the way that she develops. Um, but they don't tell us in these episodes at least what the motivation is. I th- I think probably it's a commentary on 14-year-old girls, if I'm being honest. Um sort of like that need for attention and that that desire like maybe Frill's just a mean girl.
0: Frill <laughs> <laughs> sure maybe just be a mean girl. And I think that sort of casual cruelty is not alone for it's not. Solely the realm of girls. Uh, Absolutely
1: not. But we're dealing with mostly girls in this series. There are no boy characters, in fact.
0: Uh, yes, fair enough. But she kills Azusa. She throws the hairdryer into the bathtub, which is pretty cruel,
1: I would say. It is. It is. Although I did read online some theories that 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 suggest that maybe she's innocent.
0: What was she doing? Passing the hairdryer in an aggressive manner?
1: No, that she was going in there, um, and she had the hairdryer, but she never dropped it. It was, in fact, Aka who framed her, or Ura Aka, I forget.
0: I, Ooh, that is down the rabbit hole.
1: That is down the rabbit hole, but, you know, we don't know, because the series, as you know... Uh, is still ongoing.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying that. That is because that,
1: they make a. They make a point of her doing that lip pop thing that she does. Yeah,
0: and they don't do a lot of. Um, there's not a lot of bait and switch here. There's no predisposed like you should be second guessing the stories you're hearing.
1: The only thing that makes me think that there is any credibility to it all, though, is is what I said before that. Uh, the the jealousy is clearly a motivator. Aka Nuraka... They don't appear to be super tight, though, which is my only issue. We don't really see them being friends so much as just being sort of like stuck in a room together.
0: Yeah. Uraaka, this is why, you know, and I it's, said at the beginning, their relationship is even more enigmatic than everything else. Like, we've gotten a very small sliver of everything, and we still have no real idea of what Akka and Uraaka's motivations are. Like, what? Yeah. What is their whole thing?
1: I are, were they also born in test tubes and then uh, and then just raised in an environment where they just were meant to do work and solve humanity's problems or whatever? I don't and know. They,
0: well, what have they actually done? Like they in their spare time
1: they they're created working the AI on girls. some so, kind of simulation. Yeah. They,
0: I mean, this, this, this again goes with my theory
1: that this has something to do with simulations and multiverse theory. Um, that goes beyond just there being a magical multiverse, that there's actually they're actually dealing with simulations. That maybe what we're watching is a simulation of events, and what we're watching is not what's happening. But we don't know. We don't know. Am I going too far again? I'm going too far. Everybody hates it when I go too far with this stuff. But.
0: I mean, you're at least into some area because we do have the idea of parallel worlds, um as represented in the plot. Because we're crossing over, how are we seeing these other girls? They come from different universes. That's been teased. What we hasn't what hasn't been is that this is a simulation universe. That's a little new.
1: The baby is born. They name her Himari, and she is lightness and love. She seems to she seems to brighten every room she goes in um and together it seems like ura aka and ura kind of come through their pain
0: you mean aka and Ura-Aka?
1: ura yeah aka and ura come through their pain um but because of what because of what frill did they do shove her down the stairs and lock her away and they they keep her in perpetual darkness without shutting her down or like they want her to suffer, it seems.
0: Yeah, it really it's a vi- I mean, like this also raises all sorts of questions to me that you just sort of throw her in a hole in the ground and walk off and you're like, well, this will do it. This this is enough. It's like, yes, that is a tortuous existence if it were a person, but it's not. So I guess, do you want to torture her or not? Do, what is your plan with Frill here? Did you just want to put her in a corner and forget about her, but you couldn't destroy her?
1: Yeah, I don't know. But um, I think that we imbue things like that. Like we would, Im- that, that that at least Aka, sorry, I have to get this right. Aka was running the company. Ura Aka was programming us as it was pregnant. So Ura Aka threw her in the hole, and he's obviously the one who most is filled with he's he's hurting the most and he needs her to be he needs her to suffer even though he should know better he should know better that she is not human so I, she,
0: I i want to challenge your premise there first of all the story is being told from the perspective of uraaka so we don't know how much aka suffered to be perfectly honest and we can't compare uraaka and aka's suffering um Fine, but I agree that he appears to want her to suffer, he laughs at her, he's cruel to her, to Frill. Um, but I it seems somewhat justified if they honestly believe that she maliciously killed, um, uh, I don't remember the name of the characters Azusa Azusa. So, uh, and she's we're reminded here, she's not real she's not a thing right she she's just a thing she's not a person so you can't you can't be
1: yeah himari is described as the girl left to us by azusa and you can tell from the way that Aka talks about you can tell from the way akka talks about her that she healed a lot of the pain they were feeling um but there's little creepy bits about her too Sometimes she says things that are just a little weird. Like Sometimes
0: there's one time in particular, which is the night before she dies. Like she goes way off the rails.
1: Can you wait until I grow up? Then I could marry you. Well, yeah. Which is a very romantic sort of idea, I think, that like your daughter will want to marry you. Like yeah. the father-daughter dance, you know, like. Which, which birthday is this? Do you recall? Is it 14 again? I think it is. I think that, I think that, she specifically targets girls who are in the age group where she was programmed to perpetually sort of live. And what I'm saying is that um, the real villain here is supposedly Frill, who has been, it's kind of difficult to say exactly what she's been doing, but she's been connected inside of the inside of her prison. She's found a way to be connected to the, to the cloud, I guess, to some kind of, simulated afterlife and she has hacked into sort of like the hum- like the humans around her and it seems like she's vindictively lashing out at girls by feeding into their neuroses and their insecurities and and sort of urging them or nudging them towards death which is what's been previously described as the temptation of death Am I doing okay here? I'm I I missing so. anything. I just,
0: yeah. I mean, you're, you're, ac- ad- you're accurately representing what has transpired, but there are a lot of questions I have about it.
1: Well, give me some questions. Let's see if we can answer them.
0: Well, all right. So I do find that Urakas' rejection of Azusa is a little, sorry, not Azusa, of Himari is a little aggressive in the sense that like the, the way that Himari is acting is instead of being sort of the innocent, like, Oh, I want to marry you. When I grow up, she's playing the seductress, like, Oh, in in the, the acting, but at the same time, she's still Mm -hmm. a 14 year old and Uraaka should recognize like, look, you know, regardless of how she's behaving, she's still a child. And you know, you would think that they're very close. Instead, she's he's kind of cold and weird about it. Like, I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Like, you're you're creepy or something. And or well, he didn't don't say you think that there's
1: an overlap between her and and Frill? Well, oh, of course. That That's the until she reaches that age, he sort of could be protected from those. Like, I don't know if they're feelings for Frill or if they're like if it's just all wrapped up in sort of like if he's just like a so the association is so painful for him so ugly and twisted that seeing himari actually grow up causes him to causes him to become distraught
0: i i don't know she does <clears throat> the
1: same thing as frill too she does the mouth pop which we right. know well, which but we, we sort of take as a sign that frill's creepy. influence has infected her somehow, exactly yes that's the great word is to use. that the frill case has,
0: frill has infected himari that's the implication we don't know how and she's done it by removing her sweet innocence and making her like what this, this is where i i'm to start to question like what's going on here the fact that um himari may be coming into sexual maturity or i mean that's happening around this age as well is that supposed to like i'm this is the thing that i feel like the show its vagueness is both intoxicating and maddening in that what are we saying is going on with these girls that makes them so vulnerable
1: (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) being 14 (laughs) what do you mean sorry I mean, being 14 makes them vulnerable. Well, they're vulnerable at 10. Their bodies are changing. Their, their whole world, the way the world looks at them changes.
0: But that's the, the, the implication right there is because they're entering sexual maturity. A six-year-old is vulnerable. I mean, <laughs> they're vulnerable all the time. That's Um,
1: true. But also, you know, you start to I think there's a point at which you start to direct your your criticisms and your violence inward. Like as your kid, you just kind of lash out or like, I don't know, throw a tantrum, do, you know, lots of different things. But when you start like start like actually criticizing yourself, not just saying like you're dumb, but like actually believing it, I think that
0: changes how. I think it's partially when you become aware of the gaze of others upon you, and that yeah. you know you are being watched, just as you are watching the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And well, in the case, I think that you know, I have to think that this is part of what the series is trying to say, not as much what this particular story is trying to say, like this particular story about Frill and Himari, like maybe the series is trying to sort of like say like we put, we put way too much pressure on girls to stay like innocent and cute and young and free as they become these adult creatures uh, who are also expected to like rise into this maturity. I don't know. I'm, I just, I think that there's, I think that, the age of the girl is important here.
0: Well, it is, and it is a vulnerable age. But I think we are. I'm trying to decide if, if the creators are trying to, and by creators I mean the creator of the anime, is trying to, um, trying to conflate that vulnerability with the age of sexual awakening, which is what we see. These sort of beginning implication here um, from um, <clears throat> from Himari, right? Right. Like so, but I don't know that that's really the case for the other the other suicides, the other situations. Maybe, maybe for Ais, mm. Ais friend. Sorry,
1: it's hard to say because I think that. Hormonally, a lot of things happen at that age, too, where the hormones are just making you a little bit, you know, you become sensitive to different things. And uh, suddenly your emotions are not as you're not able to rely on them. (laughs) How do I say this without sounding crazy? Because I just went through this. (laughs) Yeah. As a trans woman, I just went through like a woman's like female puberty. Um so I do understand on some level that um your horm- your emotions are suddenly not trustworthy narrators of of how things are sometimes they just take the drivers they just take the driver's seat and drive you off a cliff or you know they just drive you crazy
0: <laughs> I mean but I don't I, want to I say crazy that. well but, but it's you are You're not in control of yourself.
1: But it takes a while to level out. It takes a while to level out and sort of figure out things. And it leaves you very vulnerable. What I, I think is very interesting, though, is what you kind of brought up is that we don't know if Frill actually ever felt this kind of stuff. Or if she was just pretending to because she was trying to fit the image she was created in. And maybe she has some animosity towards... Fourteen-year-old girls, of which she shares a perpetual likeness, um, and she's still trying to hurt. Like um, I don't know, she's still trying to hurt the Akas somehow. Yeah, it I, seems to be a deeply personal grudge she
0: has. Well, but that—I mean, this is this is why we need more fleshing out the frill character. What does she want? Does right. but well, we she did get that children? scene.
1: We did get that scene where he accused her of not actually being
0: scared. Right. You accused, well, it's just inputs, right? You're saying it hurts, but it's just inputs. Yeah. But, but, but then I, I also think that's unfair too, right? Because right, uh, yeah, it's just inputs for us as well.
1: Exactly. Maybe that's part of what it's saying too. I mean, we are getting to the end here and seriously, the name I is AI. We've seen a girl with the same heterochromatic, um, I forget what it's called now.
0: Heterochromatism? The eyes?
1: Heterochromatism in her eyes, Kotobuki. Um, and there's been no explanation for it. Uh, so there's, there could be something still going on here that, that overlaps. But I'm really curious to see how you respond to the next part, which I already know because we already recorded it and I hate myself. <laughs> um. Anyway, it turns out that the Akas have been creating the Wonder Eggs in order to kind of stop. They're trying to stop Frill. They're investigating the girls who committed suicide in the age range and they're trying to stop Frill from doing whatever it is she's doing to them. And I guess... It's all about what, how I feels in that last scene because there's this part where I goes to smash an egg and she just can't do it. You're right, and it seems like the weight of Koito's murder is on her now, and not not necessarily because she caused it, but because this is the first time she's realized that that this was a murder, <laughs> possibly that these girls have been murdered, and. I feel like this is like, this is it. This is it's fucking on.
0: I versus frill. I guess. But the whole implication leading up to this is that the, the girls are powerless against frill and her minions. So I don't know how it's going to play out.
1: Yeah. Why are they powerless? That's a good question.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, we're Akka and Iraq have been getting them through what appears to be some sort of training regimen. Only the, only This is where we see the comment, like, only the warriors of Eros can defeat Thanatos, right? But yeah. I, I don't know what that um, means.
1: Well, the big question I had was why... Like, it feels, like, purposeful that they were given these adorable pets told to nurture them, like, sort of became their mothers, and then <laughs> after they complete their mission is almost like even though it feels like in the moment that they're actually in danger in every instance so far we've seen the pet killed i mean there's only two instances but that's still two instances so like is that part of is that part or part of the metaphor for growing up that these girls are going through, because they've definitely yes, grown the, up during this is, the series.
0: This, the proxy for the loss of innocence, that certain changes come whether you're ready for them or not.
1: Yes. It's a clunky metaphor, though. It really yeah, but, is. I mean, we're,
0: we are reading a lot of meaning into stuff that may be much simpler, and it's, it's going to be impossible for us to tell. Like, I, if I go back to some of our earlier series... Um,
1: Ted Danson. No, we Fancy never watched anything Pants with Man. Ted Danson.
0: Um, we watched uh, Sarazanmai. Uh, yeah. So Sarazanmai, I felt like the scenes were all very meticulous, and the meanings were very carefully directed. Um, here, I I feel like we're floundering a lot more and trying to glean what the what what we're supposed to take away from this.
1: I I can say one thing that I took away that I I've kind of been hinting at or. I've been underlining as we've gone through the series, but Aka and Ura Aka might be kind of the villains. Well,
0: in some way they are,
1: right? Maybe unintentionally so, but it seems like they're using the girls and they're they're trying to clean I mean, up their mess.
0: Trying to clean up your mess is a heroic activity. Making the mess in the first place, even even if it's just negligence that causes it, is, you know, you are either benign evil or malevolent evil. There's no indication that they're malevolent. They're figuring out some way to combat it, but they don't seem to know like morally what to do. Like they don't even come out and talk about it. They're just like, uh, oh, it's throwing a hole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, grief can do that to you for sure, but I was thinking that they they're taking responsibility by putting the responsibility on these girls who they have determined are their best bet for getting in and understanding and undoing these puzzles uh, that will lead to the defeat of Frill and her pep squad. And that's it. That's it. Um, I I think that... Uh, I. I th- I don't like what they've done. But at the same time, they did bring this evil into the world. And trying to clean it up, as you said, is a noble gesture. If they're
0: killing, if they are essentially setting up the girls to be martyrs or die in the process of doing whatever it is they're doing, then they're not good. They're evil. You know, you can't, you should not be sacrificing, but you should be sacrificing yourselves. Although it's, it's not clear that they haven't, they're somehow, you know, automatons, they're robots. It's not even clear they have the ability to do anything. And also everything that the girls have been doing is, how is it training for anything? Is, is it, is it they're trying, this is whole exercise is some like weird gymnasium that's supposed to increase their physical skills to do battle later. That doesn't seem right. Or well, their psychic skills. Yeah,
1: I guess because it's, it's what is it a vr battleground i don't know i don't really understand what it is yet i assume it's a simulation but it, i don't have any evidence but it also seems to be death itself um we still don't know what happens to the girls that are saved doesn't no one seems interested in that part <laughs> yeah nope we remember I mean, two episodes one episode ago we got Yeah, we finally did it. We got Momoe saving her, saving her lost—not even friend, but saving the person that had confessed to her and jumped in front of the train, presumably. And uh, we get nothing (laughs) because she's too emotionally distraught to deal with that shit. Um, That's it. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back next time with an episode we recorded before this so that should be interesting and then we'll be back for the finale and we're coming back to b stars it's almost here dawn we're almost here yeah
0: you 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 propose it an interesting way of doing a podcast we could do it memento style where we record the last episode first
1: yes yes that's
0: i don't know how popular that would be (laughs) well we could nobody likes to be watching the anime backward too you ever think about that Ooh. Ooh, that's
1: interesting. Like do a classic series, but watch it backwards and kind of like repiece it together.
0: It would be very weird. Um, yes. Uh, I wouldn't
1: want to do it with something I actually like, though.
0: Well, that's the, yeah, especially if you don't know that you like it and then watching it backwards would be super weird.
1: Although I usually lose interest in things by the time they get to the end. And that's when my brain starts creating all of my own headcanon, which is quite dangerous because I, A, am on a podcast where everything I say is public record. and b uh, it it sets me up for disappointment every time it's like with one piece i have so many theories about how it could end or what this means or that means that i'm sure to be disappointed but when things start out i don't have any theories at all i just admit it for the ride and that's the best part usually or maybe i like the theories i don't know but it's time to go fair enough
0: podcast of all time this is champs in the making
1: where we have made a bracket of every pokemon that has ever existed and are putting them up in battles head to head one-on-ones to
0: scientifically find out the best pokemon
1: every two weeks we gather up an assortment of hosts from the orange
0: rose and cut a bloody path through the pokedex Come listen to me defend the rights of crustacean-based Pokemon. Olga is a perfect little baby and I will not stand for anything else.
1: Decidueye is the best fucking Pokemon because he looks like Robinhead. Shout some about why your favorite Pokemon is the
0: best. Put them forward and insult Ambipom every two weeks, only on the Orange Groves.
1: Uh, Poochina is the best and my friends already knocked Diana out, which I'm sad about. So now we're truly just
0: living on the edge. Hey Raven. What's up, Fantast? Do you like anime? I sure do! Do you have a limited amount time in your schedule due to demands of capitalism? Unfortunately, yes! Well, I have the show for you! It's called
1: Weebkin Warriors! Oh yeah! It's that podcast where you and I come together every Thursday and talk about anime that are 24 episodes or less! That's right! And you can find us on the Orange Groves Podcast Network or your podcatcher
0: of choice. Have, Have a good, good weekend. weekend.